Well, good morning, friends. I'm glad you're up bright and early. It's a great day today. It is the official day one of our new sermon series, Love Everyone. We kind of previewed it last week, if you were here last week, but this is the day it launches, and I hope you are ready. Uh, Groups start this week. Uh, We got some Sunday groups. If you don't have a group yet, uh, we got one meeting next hour down in the library. You could jump in with them. We got one meeting third hour. Brand new group launches today in room 104. Uh, so find a group this week. Uh, you're a young adult. Uh, the young adult group's meeting at my house. We start tomorrow night. So uh, come join us tomorrow night. We'd love to have you there if you're one of our young adults. Uh, lots of other things. Wednesday night groups. We've got like 85 groups on Wednesday nights. So if you're free, Wednesday night's free, you can join three or four of those. That'd be great. So um, also, today is the day. Get a booklet. It's got Devos in it. The Devos start tomorrow. They take, go through the whole series. It also, the group study is in the booklet. So for all the different groups, this is what you're going to need. Uh, remember, if you got five bucks, it offsets the cost of printing. If you don't, just grab and dash. That's fine. We want you to have a booklet when we want your money. So get a booklet. Get a t-shirt there out there today. We'd love for you to have a t-shirt too. Saw, saw a couple people at the ball game Friday night wearing these t-shirts. I like that. That's my way. I knew who to say hi to. It made me feel good. No, I say hi to strangers too. I'm just teasing. But it was good. It's good to see a few out there. Um, it's it's going to be a good series. It's going to be a good series. And the idea that would prompt us to do all this, to join a group and get a booklet and wear a t-shirt and be here every week, the idea is that we want to live in a different world. More to the point, we want to live in this world. We just want it to be different. And we want to do our part. And our part is loving everyone by loving everyone. One. I, uh, I, I wanted to get this in my brain a new way, so I learned it in Spanish. Uh, let's see if I got this right. Love everyone is ama a todos. But love everyone is ama a cada uno. To love each one. And that's what we're trying to do. Because on our own, the call to love everyone always just becomes generic and theoretical, a warm feeling toward the world, but that isn't what we want. That isn't what will make the world different. It isn't what Jesus wants. It certainly isn't what Jesus did. No, Jesus teaches us not to be generic and theoretical with our love. But as we saw last week, Jesus teaches us to be specific and practical. And if we're going to do that, if we're going to be specific and practical with our love, uh, not just sort of loving everybody in a fuzzy way, but, but specific, you know, having decided this is the one I'm loving, well, then we're going to have to know the answer to this question. you got to know who, right? Who are you planning to love? 
Because you want to love everyone, but that would just get too generic. If you're going to get specific, you got to know who you're going to love. But Jesus doesn't just teach us to get specific. Jesus also teaches us to get practical. Not to love in a theoretical sense or as a warm vibe, but to actual love with, with actions that, that are noticed and make a difference. And if that's the case, then it's not enough to know who. See if I can avoid, oh no, somebody's electric guitar just got broken. Oh well, it's not enough to know who. You got to know how. You have to have made some decisions about what is your love going to look like when you go out there to do it. What is the specific action? The goal of this series is not to love people in theory. I got to talk with our middle schoolers last week down at camp for their retreat. And what we said is, if we're going to love everyone, we got to know the answer to two simple questions. We got to know who, and we got to know how. In fact, I want you to, uh, to start right now, right in this minute, start with me a spiritual exercise. The whole message today is really more of a spiritual opportunity than it is a sermon. I want you to use these very minutes that we're in right now to open yourself up to these two questions. You ask the Holy Spirit in the next half hour or so that's left in this worship service, you ask the Holy Spirit, Who? Who are you supposed to love today, this week, in this season? It'll probably be more than one person, but it won't be everyone. Because remember, the way we're going to love everyone is to love everyone. You ask the Holy Spirit. Just right now, in this moment, who? And then you ask God's Spirit, how? What is it you're supposed to do? If it helps us figure out the answer to these two questions, we could expand the who question. You might think of it like this. Who has God uniquely positioned you to love. Who can you love in a way that no one else can? Uh, This expansion gives me some clarity when I'm asking God's Spirit who I'm supposed to love. Who are the people that I'm in a position to love that maybe somebody else isn't? Who are the people that I could love in a way no one else could Jesus got asked the who question once. Uh, Luke tells us on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Uh, Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied. How do you read it? 
And the man answered him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The dude must have been paying attention because this is actually the exact answer Jesus gave to this question in several other places in the Bible. And Jesus says to him, you got it. You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the man wanted to justify himself, and so he asked Jesus, and who exactly is my neighbor? We know that this question he asked Jesus wasn't just his question. It was actually a common question among the philosophers of the day. And the goal of this question was precisely to turn the command to love into something generic or something limited. He asks the question to try to limit the scope of his love. But Jesus has an answer ready. You can go to Luke 10 and read the whole answer if you want to. He tells the story of a man who was injured and attacked on the road and left for dead. And three others pass him by. There alone on the road. And two of them ignore him and do nothing. One sees him and recognizes, this is my who. This is who. This is who God has uniquely positioned me to love. This is who I can love in a way nobody else can. Because he's here on the road and I'm here on the road and nobody else is here on the road. and, And this is it. God put me in the spot. Two guys walked by and said, oh, that's not my who. That's somebody else's who. That's not my who. I've got other who's somewhere else. What's your answer to those questions? Who has God uniquely positioned you to love. Visited a guy in a hospital one time, asked him how things were going. Eventually, he told me about his prognosis, which was not very good, and he did not make it out of that hospital. But he was there a long time. But it took me forever to get him to talk about that, because when I asked him how things were going, he said, they're going pretty good. I've learned the name of every nurse on my floor. I've prayed for about half of them. I think I'm going to bring one of them to Jesus before it's over. See, he knew his who. Who had God uniquely positioned him to love? Well, he spent all day in that hospital bed. God had uniquely positioned him to love the the eight nurses that rotated through that wing. That's who God had uniquely positioned him to love. In this series, we're going to keep asking this question. We're going to talk about your family and your neighbors and your coworkers and your church and your enemies. And what we're going to discover is there are people in the world that you can love. There are some who's out there that you can love in a way nobody else could. 
I was teaching on this principle once, uh, almost two decades ago, asking this question, who has God uniquely positioned you to love? It was at a men's retreat. And then on one of the breaks at the men's retreat, a guy I didn't know very well at the time pulled me aside because he wanted to talk strategy with me. And he said, Ethan, I know the answer to your question. Who has God uniquely positioned me to love? He said, you know, I can finally talk about my work. I just got declassified. I've worked for the NSA my whole life. I just went public. I can talk about it now for the first time ever. He said to me, he said, you know, Ethan, if you tried to come to my office and lead a Bible study and share the gospel at my workplace, that's a federal crime. You wouldn't even make it to the door if you tried to come to my office. I know who. I am uniquely positioned to to love the elite spies of the American government. Nobody else can get near them. He said, I think I've wasted some time. I think I've wasted some time. He didn't waste much after that, though. A couple weeks later, he was emailing me asking for ideas for curriculum and asking me to pray for people and asking me how to baptize somebody in a sink in an office break room. He knew who he could love in a way nobody else could. Do you know the answer to that question for you? Yesterday we uh, had the funeral service for um, Linda Edmiston. Some of you knew Linda. Amazing lady. Amazing lady. I'll tell you one story about Linda. Um, Every Sunday, she sat in the same place in our sanctuary, and she had her section. She had her section of the sanctuary. And if you showed up in her section of the sanctuary and she'd never met you, she'd go meet you. If a stranger showed up, boom, she was on it. She'd track them down. She'd greet them. She'd introduce herself. She'd learn their story. They'd learn her story. At the end of the service, whether they wanted to or not, they weren't leaving early. She would haul them up and make sure they met me. I've been stunned these last few days how many people have told me the story of how Linda welcomed them at church. One day, not long after I'd been here, she actually explained it to me. She said this, she said she believed that if God brought a visitor to her section of the sanctuary, that was a sign from God that she was meant to love him. And so she did. Some of you could tell a story about the time you wandered into her section of the sanctuary and she tracked you down and loved on you. What about you? Do you know your who? You know, for a lot of us, it's going to include our family, right? You, you are uniquely positioned to love your kids and your spouse and your parents. You can love them in a way nobody else can. Maybe it's going to be your sports team, you know. I talked about my friend. It'd be a federal crime if I showed up at his office. It would just be weird if I showed up at a middle school lunch table. Like, I don't think it's a federal crime, but it'd be super weird. 
which means middle schoolers are uniquely equipped, uniquely positioned by God to love other middle schoolers at a middle school lunch table in a way I couldn't. Maybe you already know who your who is. Remember I said this isn't really much of a sermon, it's more of a spiritual exercise. And by the end of this hour, I'm hoping that God's Spirit will tell you the answer to this question and this one. Do you know your who yet? Has God already reminded you of a person you're equipped to love in a way nobody else could? You could just whisper the name. You could shout it out. Maybe you know your person. Who has God uniquely positioned you to love? Who can you love in a way nobody else can? I eat breakfast about the same three places every morning. There's a guy at one of them. I don't know what all's going on with him, but he's there all the time. And he's not in a good way right now. I don't know who else notices him, but I do. I'm there all the time. He's there all the time. I, I, I feel like, you know, maybe, maybe like Linda, she says, if you, if you come to my section, that's a sign from God I'm meant to love you. Maybe I'm supposed to love this guy. And once you know your who, okay, once you've got this question answered, I know who I am uniquely equipped to love, I am uniquely positioned to love, in ways no one else can. Once you know your who, you will either love them with practical action or you won't really love them at all. Figuring out your who and then just thinking warm thoughts about them is not Christian love. So once you know your who, you've got to ask the question, second question. You've got to ask how. Uh, let's expand that one a little bit too. Okay, when we say we're asking how, we're asking this. How has God uniquely gifted you to show love? And how do they need to experience love? The who question, who have you been uniquely positioned to love? Who can you love in a way nobody else can? The how question, how have you been uniquely gifted to love? How do they need to experience love? And again, some of you, you've already got a who rattling around in your head. And I just want to say, uh, my only goal is that you'll just let God's Spirit help you answer this question. How do you need to love them? What's the specific action? We talked a little bit about this last week. We said that when the Bible talks about love, unlike our culture, which always reduces love to vague feelings and a vague posture toward the world, the Bible always raises the standard to specific engaged action. We looked at Romans 12. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, keep your spiritual fervor, serve the Lord, joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you. And we just reflected last week, it's specific action after specific action, never descending into sort of vague platitudes. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who are mourn. Live in harmony. 
Don't be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. That was Romans 12. But we could have looked lots of places. We could have looked at the, at the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13. Some of you know the love chapter. Some of you never read it. It's good stuff. It starts out a little flowery. If I speak with the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship so that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. It starts a little flowery. But maybe you know what happens next. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor Others, it is not self seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. You could look at that text, 1 Corinthians 13, and you could just be saying to God's Spirit, tell me how. How do I need to show love? Once you've got your who, you've got to answer how. And if you don't, like if you've got your who, but you don't make a decision about how you're going to express that love in a practical way, you aren't really loving them. Not like a Jesus follower. Because what it means to love like a follower of Jesus is to love with practical, specific action for those that God uniquely places in your life. God, who have you sent me to love is the first question. God, How do I need to love them? In preparation for this series, one of the things we did as a preaching team is we we read through a whole bunch of these texts that describe Christian love. Texts like Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 13, but there are dozens of others as well. And and we, we, we thought that maybe we could sort of make a list of all the different ways the Bible commands us to express love, and and once we figured out our our who, we could figure out our how by just going through the list and picking, yep, that's what they need. Uh, But honestly, uh, there was too many things. Like the Bible is super practical when it talks about love, and the list just kept getting longer and longer and longer. We realized that, that trying to list them all out, all the different ways the Bible says to show love would get a little overwhelming. Uh, So what we did was we decided that as a spiritual exercise, it'd be more helpful if we came up with with five categories that kind of help us think about the scope of the practical expressions of biblical love. And you're going to hear me reference these categories throughout the series. So I just want you to think with with me about them. 
When you're trying to answer the how question, maybe these categories will help you out. Uh, The first thing we said is, a lot of the actions we see commanded are acts of generosity. Uh, The Bible tells us to to feed the, the hungry and the poor. The Bible tells us to give to those in need. The Bible tells us to sit with those who are lonely. This is generosity, when we give of what we have to meet the needs of another. And lots of the biblical commands to love are acts of generosity. Uh, The second category we noticed that was consistent in Scripture was works of encouragement. This is the command to bless others and build up others. That command shows up a lot in the Bible, to build one another up in love, the, the command to strengthen others. You can even hear the, the encourage, that the courage is in the middle of that word, right? To, get, to put courage inside of somebody. And a lot of the biblical commands to love are encouragement. Another kind of category we noticed was uh, works of mercy. So to forgive one another, to show grace to one another. To be gentle. A soft answer turns away wrath. It's an act of mercy when someone is cruel to you and you respond to them with kindness, you know. I'm not very good at that. Oh my goodness. You know, I do that thing some of you do. If somebody says something a little bit mean to me, I say something two notches meaner back. Do you ever do that? I do that. It's terrible. It's awful. Um, It's not merciful, that's for sure. So maybe, maybe what I, maybe the how I need to love is to not do that and show some mercy. We noticed a lot of um, the way the Bible talks about love is about service. We need to serve one another, care for one another, meet one another's needs, help one another, assist one another. All these things show up as commands in Scripture. And then the last big category we noticed was hospitality. Of course, the command to hospitality shows up, and also the command to welcome one another, invite one another, host one another, feed one another, share meals with one another, invite into your group and into your family and into your community. I will say, if you you got one of these booklets and you want to think more about these five and how they can kind of help us get practical with our love, without getting overwhelmed by all the details, uh, we got kind of page 36 and 37 in your booklet. We have a little appendix that just talks about these five categories um, and how they might help us figure out our how. Because remember, that's what we're trying to figure out, right? The whole sermon, all I really care about is that God's Spirit helps you answer two questions. Well, who's your who? Who's your who? And how is your how? Who's your who? How's your how? Uh, The way it works, uh, you're going to hear this all series. All series, we're going to talk about, next week we're going to talk about family. And we're going to look at the the, the Bible, just the clarity of Scripture that says, you are uniquely positioned to love your family in ways no one else can. So the family is part of your who. That's the way it works. Who has God put in your life? Who has God brought near to you? What's the place you can go where it'd be a federal crime if I showed up? Or at least super weird, you know? know, Where would it be weird, you know? I'm not saying I'm not welcome in your bunco group. I'm just saying it'd be weird if I showed up all of a sudden. That's all I'm saying, you know? Who's your who? 
who is near to you in distance or circumstance or situation or community that needs your love. And once you know your who, then what's your how? Is it generosity? Maybe you've got a who in mind right now. If you do, just, just, just have that name. Call to name that mind in the presence of God's Spirit. Who is that person God wants you to love that you're uniquely positioned to love? You could love in a way nobody else could. And then just ask yourself, do they need generosity? Is that what they need? Could you give them food, give them time, give them a gift card, give them money? What resources do you have that they need? Is that how you're supposed to love them? Maybe that's not it. Do they need encouragement? Do they need a note or a text, a blessing? Are they in a place of struggle and they need a word of hope? Who's your who? What's your how? Do they need mercy? Do they just need you to forgive them? You know, is that your who? In fact, you were hoping God wouldn't bring them up. But they are, they are under a weight of something they did to you and they can't get out from under it and you won't let them out from under it. Is that what they need? They just need you to just forgive them, maybe? Do they need to know God loves them? Well, that would be an act of mercy, wouldn't it? To just tell them about the love of God. Maybe that's what they need. Do they need service? Can you fix something, teach something, help with a project? Do they need transportation, assistance, or expertise that you can provide? Who's your who? What's your how? Do they need hospitality? That's what Linda Edmiston provided. Everybody who ever walked in this room, she made them feel so welcome and so loved. Had somebody tell me this week, no offense, preacher, but we're not here because of you. We're here because of this lady that welcomed us so well that first time we visited. I don't even know her name. I knew who it was. Didn't have to guess. Is that what your who needs? Is hospitality? A meal in your home? Welcome to a small group? Because this is how we are going to love everyone. Ama akada uno is to ask God's Spirit, who's our who? And then figure out our how and go love them. The, the band will be out in just a minute. And uh, we're going to end our service like we usually do. We'll uh, sing a song, a song that will be an opportunity for us to make a commitment. And uh, there are lots of commitments that you could make. Um, you could, uh, maybe today's the day. You need to give your life to Christ and be baptized or to join this church. But we're going to do something a little different here today. i got some friends who are going to help me. If you're one of those people who agreed to haul this thing off stage, come help me out. Uh, that says who. And we're going to put it down over there. And this one says how. And uh, we're going to put it down over here. And, and maybe while we're singing, you want to you wanna come up while we're singing. 
Maybe you, you know your who. You know your who. And you're just going to write the name down. There. Don't worry, they got it. You know your who. We got some markers over here, and you just want to, in the corner, you just want to write down who it is. You're just going to write a first name, maybe. Maybe you're going to write, my grumpy neighbor. I'm equipped to love them in a way nobody else can. Their kids quit visiting 10 years ago. They never leave the house, but they'd talk to me. Maybe you're thinking to yourself right now, you know the person that if you don't love them, nobody's gonna, nobody else ever interacts with them. Maybe you'd come write the name. If you know your who, that'd be fun. They're, they're clean boards. Y'all can be the first ones. Start the trend. Or maybe it's that you know your how. I'm gonna write some notes. I'm gonna give to somebody who needs it. I'm gonna help somebody who's in trouble. It could be a pledge, right? Just a promise, just a, a way of telling God's spirit, I was listening, I heard you. I know my who, I've got my how, I'm gonna do it. Maybe you wanna write on both boards, that's okay, walk back and forth, we got time. We're gonna sing together right now. I'm gonna pray for you. And then um, you're gonna get all five weeks, so just get used to it. We're gonna do this every week. We're gonna ask God who's our who and what's our how, and then we're gonna go love every one. And by the end, we're gonna fill the board with all the people we're loving and all the things we're doing. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for how you love us. We thank you for... the specificity and practicality of the love of Christ, that you love each one of us. For each one of us, you have died and you have risen and you will come again. For each one of us, you have forgiven and you are sanctifying and you are leading us and telling us to follow me. And so God, I just pray that those here, if you, they know their who and know their how, that maybe they just come write it here just as a commitment, as a way of saying I'm in. And I know who and I know how and I'm going to get after it this week. And let all of us, as we sing together, dedicate our hearts and lives to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.